And uh, it's always one of my favorite days of the year because I get to share with you what I feel like God is saying uh, to us. God speaks today. How many of you believe God speaks today? Not just through the written word, but through His voice. I mean, it, how, how would you like to have a father, and the only time you ever hear from him is if you read a letter that he wrote to you, you know, years and years ago, rather than a father who would call you up on the phone, or you can call him up on the phone, or he's tangibly speaking to you. And that is our Father in heaven. He is eternal, and he speaks, and he wants his children to know his voice. Jesus said, my sheep, what? Know my voice. And so hearing the voice of Jesus is critical for us as followers of Jesus to be able to follow him. So the leadership of this church loves to put our ear to the track and hear what God's doing and then communicate that the best we can. So I want to jump right into that after I uh, ask one very important question. Has anybody seen my car keys? <laughs> Last Sunday, I was here for like an hour after church service looking everywhere on the campus for my car keys. They're, they got a little little thing that open, you know, you push the button and it opens up your car and it's had a couple keys on it and they're just, I had them right up here and they were just gone. Custodian didn't see them. I couldn't see them. Band didn't know where they went. Anybody at all steal my keys? <laughs> all right. Strike one. Let's go for the sermon and see if we can hit pay dirt. Every year since I've started this church, I remember the first uh, New Year's uh, day that came around, I was in prayer and I, I caught myself trying to come up with some cool, slick slogan for the new year. And I stopped myself and I thought, what an idiot. What are you doing making up a word of the Lord for the new year? And you know, if it rhymes, then you know it's the Holy Spirit, right? Right. More of heaven in 2011 and right. Seeing heaven in 2007, and so you can't rhyme with 2012, so, you know, you just got to go with what the Lord would say at that point. But uh, the first year, when I caught myself doing that, I thought, that is so silly. So I, I said, God, please forgive me. Do you have anything you would like to say about this new year? And if you don't, then I'm not going to say anything. Now, that's the smartest pattern, right? Yeah, because if you come up with something, it won't come to pass anyway. Uh, but if God says something and we partner with him, then it will. So I didn't even know if he was interested in saying things at the turn of each year. But he proved me that year and every year since that that's exactly what he does. I learned that God does work in days and months and seasons and years. He created a seven-day cycle. Once it's the rest on one, work the other seven. The Bible says that God put the stars in the... What did I say? Work the other seven. This is fresh revelation. <laughs> you might not be able to find it in the Word, but God is still speaking. I'm kidding. The visitors are getting ready to leave. That would be strange doctrine. Um, and so he says he puts the stars in the sky for times, seasons, months, days, years. So I've learned that God gives us fresh starts. And so every year, the turn of the year, he has given me a fresh word. I go to the elders and I talk to them about it and they affirm or adjust. We go back into prayer together, talk to the staff about it. And then we come out as a, uh, or talk to the connect group leaders, talk to the worship leaders this week saying, this is what I feel like God is saying. And then we uh, do it together. 
Every year there's been a specific emphasis. Add this. Last year was emphasize genuine Christian community. Raise up connect groups. Train connect group leaders. Make that the heartbeat of the church. Uh, other years it's been different things. This year is the first time that he has said this specific thing to me. And it was so powerful and so affirming. As I was on my retreat seeking the Lord, I asked him, what would you have to say to us as a body for 2012? And what I felt that he said was this. Keep doing exactly what you were doing. Amen. One thing that did for me was it was a relief that we didn't have to do something new or different. Because that takes energy, right? But the second thing I felt was like what, Jesus, what God said about Jesus when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I felt like God was saying the gathering place, I am well pleased. I mean, that is so encouraging. I felt, you know, uh, in my spirit that it was that we are on a broad road with God. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said that the road is narrow that leads to destruction. Broad is the road. I mean, the road is narrow that leads to life, eternal life. I know the Bible. (laughs) The road is narrow that leads to life, eternal life. But broad is the road that leads to destruction. That's not the broad road I'm talking about. All right. We're not on the broad road that leads to destruction. What I believe is this. When you get on the narrow road that leads to Christ... Once you begin following him, the road then broadens out to the broad will of God. The Bible, the psalmist said, you have set my feet firmly in a broad place. In other words, once you decide, I'm going to spend my life doing what God says, the the road under your feet gets broader and broader and broader and broader until you're in the center of the will of God. And there's so much of God in you and around you that you are walking on a broad road. It's not like a tightrope. Oh, I wonder if I'm in the will of God. Broadly in the will of God. And the other picture I felt was God was talking to us about divine access, that that you that there's this freedom to come into the throne room of God, receive heavenly resources, and then come back to the earth and dispense the heavenly resources. These are the two images I had. And then I go to intercessory prayer and uh, Francisco, who is a, has a prophetic gift that's very strong, and he draws pictures. And he'll say, this is what I see. And he'll draw this picture that is just exactly what the Lord is saying. It is a, it's a strong gift. It's an accurate gift. And in our wisdom night prayer, he drew two pictures. One was of a broad road with 2012 on it. And said, we are on a broad road. And the other one was a door that was open with an arrow going in and an arrow coming out, saying we have access to God. Isn't that beautiful? I have somebody raising their hand. Oh, you're saying thank you, Lord. Okay, I thought you thought this was the price of right or something. All right. So I want to say that I believe, and I wouldn't say this just to say something that would make us all feel good, That's foolishness. I believe that we as a body have so been faithful and determined to do the will of God. I'm going to talk about the things we've been doing. That I believe we have obtained abundant access to the resources of heaven. 
to continue doing the things that God has called us to do. I believe we're going to see increase in ways we have not seen it yet this year. This is us corporately and you individually. And this is what I want to teach about today. And then I want to share about the things that we've been doing as a body. Now, I'm not saying these things to commend us. I'm saying these things because I believe God has commended us. And I want to talk about the things that we are doing so that we can continue to do them together as a body. Amen? I mean, how many of you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? How many of you want to hear that? Okay, well... That doesn't, that is not only reserved for eternity when we leave the earth and bust into heaven and hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. I believe you can hear that at times and seasons in your earthly life. And I believe that is what the Lord has said to us as a church body. Well done, my good and faithful gathering place church. Amen. Then once he said that in that parable, by the way. He said, you've been faithful in what's little. I will now make you rule over much. So you don't just get an attaboy pat on the back. There's something else that comes along with it. (laughs) One hand, attaboy. The other hand is here, I'm going to give you more. Now can I hear a bigger amen? Amen. All right. I'm trying to inspire you this morning with the word of the Lord. but Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. Everybody say access. This is the big word I want you to leave with today. Say it again, access. By faith into this grace, by faith into this grace in which we stand. And boast in the hope of the glory of God. What he's saying is when you've obtained access into God's grace, it is a grace that enables you to stand victoriously. And you have such confidence that you actually boast in the glory of God. Meaning that you so believe that God is going to move in your life in a powerful way that you can actually begin bragging about it before you even see it. When you truly believe you have gained access by faith into God's grace, you stand confidently and you boast in what God's about to do. That's what that's saying there. Now, certainly Jesus is the reason we have gained access. But what I'm talking to you is beyond the positional access. I'm talking about abundant access being supplied to us. In fact, First Peter says, if you add to your faith godliness, virtue, brotherly love, you will obtain an abundant access into heaven. You see, it's like a parent and a child. Your children have favor with you as a parent because they are your child. I mean, even if they were, uh, if you're at odds with them, if somebody here on the church campus, even in church, if you saw somebody touching your child or reprimanding your child or being mean to your child, what would you do to that person, your brother and sister in Christ? Yeah, you would rip their hair out of their head, right? In the name of the Lord. Because they are touching your child. And see, your child can even be disobedient and they still have your protection, your provision, your favor as a mother and a father because they are your child, right? But what about when your child is doing everything you ask them to do? Now, I know I'm talking fantasy. Just, just, just follow me. 
that your child is all about your needs being met. I, know, I understand. I'm going to say it again. We are in la-la land, but just follow me. That your child wants to please you. That's their entire motivation. Mom and dad, what can I do for you today? Mom and dad, how can I help around the house today? Or you tell your child to take out the trash, and before you even finish asking them to do it, it's done. I know, extreme statements here. (laughs) But what if your child is obeying you and doing everything you have asked your child to do? Is the favor on that child different than the favor because you were, you know, biologically born into our family? Is the, is, is your response to them going to be at a whole nother level of favor? Yes or no? All right. If you say no, we got to start all over. If you say yes, we can move on. Of course. When your child is obeying you and pleasing you, you have such a desire to bless them, right? This is what it's like with our father in heaven. When you and I just take our salvation ticket and then we live like children of the devil and we just live sloppy lives, we live live hedonist lives, self-seeking lives, that doesn't please the Father. We don't gain abundant access into heavenly resources if we're just going to consume them on ourselves. But when you decide, I am about the Father's business, my life is His, Papa, what do you want today? I'm going to do your will This abundant access of heavenly resources is at your disposal because you're about the Father's business. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And I believe that is what he is saying to us as a body. Look at 1 John. I want to say this. The key to gaining abundant access to heaven's resources is being committed to doing God's will. 1 John 5.14 says it very plainly. This is the, say it out loud, confidence. This is the confidence not spiritual insecurity not question mark this is the confidence we have in approaching god that if we ask anything anything according to his will not ours he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we 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 know that we have what we have asked for do you see the community context here Do you see the body context here? Do you see it's not just an individual? He's talking about we as a body. John here is talking about the church. He's saying that if we as a body come to God and we ask Him anything that we know is in His will, we know He hears us. We don't wonder if He hears us or not. We know He does. And we know that we have the very things we've asked Him for. Now, here's the best example we have on the planet of this scripture and everything i've said so far is jesus christ himself the son of god one of my favorite passages in the whole bible bible which just obliterates this beggar mentality is jesus standing before the lazarus the tomb of lazarus and jesus says father i thank you that you have heard me and i know that you always hear me Then he speaks, Lazarus, come forth, and the dead rises. I believe that is a model of how the church is supposed to behave in the earth. But Jesus said, I've not come to do my will, I've come to do his will. So when you and I have decided to position ourselves to doing the will of God, I believe we can stand before the dead and raise them up. Amen? 
Now look at this scripture, and we're, gonna, we're in the book of Ephesians. We've been studying the book of Ephesians together as a body. Look what Ephesians 3.10 says. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by, say it, the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. We've got a lot of distraction over here. Can somebody close that door, please? Thank you. Don't hurt him, Pete. Just close the door. <laughs> Boy, he's, he's marching out there like he's about to... That's really good. I'm glad you said that. He said he closes doors no one can open. What I believe the Lord is saying to us is like in the book of Revelation that Jesus has opened a door for this church this year that nobody can close. I believe we have obtained abundant access because of our faithfulness. Now, again, I'm not saying this to commend ourselves. I believe I'm saying what the Lord has said. Otherwise, I would not dare say this. So we can expect great favor this year. So to the intent that he would show his manifold wisdom by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and, say it out loud, access, there's that word again, with confidence through faith in him. Look at that, boldness, access, confidence. Man, what this scripture I believe is saying is it is God's intent to display the church before all evil powers as his instrument for dispensing throughout the earth what he has accomplished in Jesus through the cross and resurrection. In 2012, we as a body have an abundant access to heaven's resources so that we can increasingly advance God's kingdom in the earth. So I want to talk about some of the things that we as a body have been doing and wants to keep on doing. Okay, let me just go through a, a quick list here that shows the broad-based will of God that I believe that we have been emphasizing and laboring toward. One is worship. This is keeping Jesus at the center of everything we do. You know, the book of Ephesus, one of the, one of the churches, I mean, the um, church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation, one of the seven churches Jesus wrote to, He talked about all the great works they were doing. He said, I know your works. He said, but one thing you have lost, and that is your first love. You don't love me like you did at the first. So you know what he said? Even though you're doing all these other great works, I'm going to shut your church down if you don't get that right. Because Christianity is not good works. Christianity is loving Jesus Christ. And out of loving him, we want to change the world, which is where the good works come from. Amen? So Jesus is not interested in a bunch of religious automatons just went out doing the will of God. Good works. He's interested in sons and daughters loving and worshiping him and then us advancing the kingdom of God in the earth through miracles, signs and wonders and good works. So we do this by dedicating a significant portion of our church services to experiencing God's presence through thanksgiving and praise. We did this, well, I do this by, we just hosted the last regional praise gathering. Um, the, the fusion youth band, the youth church now has a great worship band. Just happened last year. Heather is leading behold worship services over at new hope at the school, of the supernatural, which we, uh, pioneered with, uh, the connection. We, uh, de- we've done two, uh, weekends dedicated just to, uh, worship. So worship was one of the main emphasis in our church. And I believe Jesus is very pleased with that. Secondly, loving one another, genuine Christian community. This primarily is um, seen through our connect groups. 
Last year, the word of the Lord to us as the body was to develop genuine Christian community through connect groups. And we have 80% of our church body is in a connect group. That is an outrageous percentage. I believe the Lord is very pleased that he told us to do that last year. We as a, a leadership team dedicated ourselves to do that very thing. And you've heard me preach on it and teach on it. And we have a large participation in connect groups, which means that the church is truly being discipled. Because you know what it's like to hear a message on Sunday morning, forget what it was by Tuesday, and now you're back in the trenches trying to battle it out. You come together with the connect group, what was the sermon on Sunday, then you start talking about how to apply it into your daily life. You pray for one another, share your, your, your stories, and you're walking out the word of the Lord together so that we are being stuck to one another and being stuck to the word of God together as a body. We've been doing that um, all last year, and we just launched our quarter, our winter quarter connect groups. Um, also, Abba's Practical Connection, which the Peralts raised up, um, it is a powerful ministry meeting the practical needs of our body outside of what the connect groups do. Abba's uh, Practical Connection uh, finds needs in the body and meets those needs in very practical ways. It's a pretty major ministry, and, uh, and um, the Peralts raised it up, but they've just passed the baton to Phil and Christina Williams. And so I'm going to ask Phil and Christina to come up, and I want to lay hands on you right now, and we're just going to commission you in this ministry of mercy ministries in this house. Uh, Gary, can you come on up here? Let's lay hands on them. I hope you come on up. And body, uh, reach your hand out toward Phil and Christine. Christina, and let's lay hands on these guys. When somebody has fallen through the cracks, this is a Samaritan's ministry. When somebody is wounded by the side of the road and they just fall through the cracks, there's no one there to help them. Uh, Phil and Christina are going to be there and they are going to find the needs and they're going to help meet those needs by networking with connect group leaders and connect groups and the elders. They spy out the needs. They find us. So nobody in this house is going to go without. Amen. That's what this ministry is all about. So let's lay hands and bless them. Gary, you want to play over them? Lord, I uh, lift up both Phil and Christina to you right now and for their openness to be available and to walk in this uh, calling that you have placed on them to meet the needs of those that you bring before them. I pray blessing and favor on them as they seek to do your will. I pray that you would fill them with wisdom, wisdom in in making the right decisions and how to minister and how to help people and how to raise them up and strengthen them and encourage them. As I'm, as I'm praying over them here, I just see uh, both of them have such servants' hearts. Yeah, they do. Servants' hearts to just bend over and comfort one who is down. Give them the strength to, and the persistence. I pray that you would um, give them wisdom so that they would not get burnt out as they're pouring out, that they would find places to come and get refreshed and renewed in you so that they're not giving out in their own strength, but they're giving out what you give them and they're being vessels for your spirit to flow through. Bless this ministry in Jesus name. Jesus mighty name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. You know, Christina and Phil have such huge hearts. I was so glad when I was told that you guys stepped up to take over this ministry. I thought, oh, that is a perfect fit. Perfect fit. Uh, so moving outward, local outreach ministries around here in our, in our own region, Shelly Cowper Smith, 
as uh, our not only senior associate pastor's wife and overseeing the women's ministry, but also she is our local missionary. She oversees all of our missions, but she also is our local missionary. She raised up the North County Emergency Fund, as well as the Community Prayer and Care. And uh, that Community Care and Prayer is something she pioneered from scratch a number of years ago. And uh, I got uh, this email uh, that says, Community Care and Prayer has two steady locations. We helped start the third one at the Connection Elementary School. And our influence is now reaching approximately 540 families um, around this area. And also, uh, the email got cut off here. So um, what was the other, the other uh, church you said that is Westminster Presbyterian in Escondido? Wants to do exactly what we're doing in a, I think you said in an elementary school up there. Uh, so, and the city has even uh, asked us to be food distribution centers because what we are doing is more effective than what the city government is doing. And all of that was pioneered by Shelley. So, praise God for that. She has got a huge heart. We also have helped Nebraska's high school, which is a uh, high school here that does not get much funding at all uh, for students who are on the edge. Adoptions and fostering parents. We have families in our church um, that uh, have adopted or foster parents, and um, they are just wonderful uh, families in our church. Um, and uh, the Gruden dolls back there. Gruden dolls, wave your arm. You got one of your little ones in your in your lap. And the Finleys, Kathy's here. Raise your hand, Finley. Uh, Kathy Finley. These guys are. These guys, in fact, were 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 uh, noted the number one foster parent family of the uh, what was it? Uh, the Indian. Oh, the, yeah, the Indian. <laughs> made me lose my mind. Indian Child Welfare Act. Indian Child Welfare Act. So it's the ICWA oversees all of the native children um, to make sure that they're being properly cared for, and we were the number one foster family of the year for San Diego. Number one foster family of the year in San Diego. And what was interesting is, what was interesting is the, in the Indian uh, uh, um, nation, they, they did not adopt, they did not have foster parents outside of their own people, and yet they don't allow adoptions, but because of, or fostering. See, I was right. You were wrong. I was right. Yes. It's a new year. Abundant access to heaven's wisdom and resources. I was right. I'm sorry. Um, that, but because of their love and effectiveness and ability to sacrifice and serve, they not only allow them to foster, but they were noted as voted as the number one foster parents in San Diego. That is amazing. And ask you to adopt one of theirs. Just amazing. So, just proud to be your pastor. Uh, and then K-Love Radio. No, I'm serious. Why well, that wasn't a funny. I am. Better than being a pastor of a selfish congregation that doesn't want to help people, right? That was my point. Global evangelism. What are we doing outside of our re- local region? Uh, we're reaching out to South Asia through the Zacharies, Costa Rica through the Freemans, China through the Wongs, persecuted church through the Huff family, who is Sissy's brother, our ch- uh, children's pastor's brother. E3 partners with Stephanie Demink, who's in the house today, that, that helps us organize missions trips around the world. Uh, the Hernandezes is our sister church in Tijuana, and uh, he helps us oversee over 50 churches throughout uh, Mexico and South Mexico. Uh, we reach Brazil through the Murdochs, Compassion International, gifts to GC, GPC members for missions trips to Mexico and Ethiopia. Uh, we're reaching Church Asia through the Zacharies, India, and Nepal, uh, Africa through the Acres of Love, as well as uh, Hope for the Nations. 
And uh, we also did uh, Samaritan's Purse, which uh, we did, I think, 257 shoeboxes that we had reached uh, around the world with Samaritan's Purse. Um, let's take a quick look at this video and see this isn't exactly where our boxes went, but this will give you an idea of what all of our efforts uh, toward the Samaritan's Purse, what it looks like on, on the other end. job, church. We not only send boxes, we also send people. And uh, a few years ago, we targeted with New Hope Church, Joe Rhodes, the R.C. Aromo people in Ethiopia. There's two million, uh, it's a two million uh, populous people group, a majority of the Muslims or uh, Coptic. 
And um, Ethiopia is a key country because Islam is trying to come down through the Middle East, down into Northern Africa and taking over Africa. If they can get Ethiopia, then they can take that continent. And so we are there and we are leading whole tribes to Jesus. And it's a it's a battle. And um, but I went the first few years and then uh, uh, Dirk came with me and Dirk had such a heart for missions. He and Catherine. And so Dirk led a team uh, last year. He's leading a team coming up again uh, this this uh, spring. And you can go with him on this trip. And so I'm going to ask Dirk to come up here and talk to us about the Ethiopia trip that we're going to be doing this this year as well. Hello again. Twice in one Sunday. This is awesome. So it was actually not this past November, but the November before that I had an opportunity to lead a team to Ethiopia. And I, I got to tell you, it was incredible. And one of the most incredible things about it is how much we laughed and just felt at ease and at peace. And why I say that's incredible is most of us going had never been on an overseas missions trip. I had been on only one previously. I had never been to Africa. It's a long way to go. And it's a lot of money to raise. And you got to take time off work. And so I want to encourage you, if you feel like it's something you'd like to do or that God's encouraging you to do, I want to encourage you to step out and, and talk to me or one of the other ones I've gone and ask about it. Because I know, I, I know sometimes the reasons we don't go. Like Cynthia went last year, and she, she's my age, and, and she said one of the reasons she was thinking about not going is because of how old she was. Well, i got to tell you, and Ron, Ron said I could share this. Ron was my roomie in the experience one of the group. It was his third time, and he's going again this year. He's 70. Another gentleman who came from another church is over 80 years old. So you are not too old to go on a missions trip. And something else I want to share is you are not too broke. It's only $3,400. And God's it, not broke. God's not broke. Actually, you might be broke, but God's not. And, um, and I know a number of people that went on the last trip, they did not have $3,400. But they signed up for it because they felt God calling them to do that. Yeah. And God provided and I'd like to interview one of those that does not have $3,400. <laughs> this is my daughter. And um, how old are you? Wait, well, first, what is your name? Abigail Rao. And how old are you? I'm 13. So she's not too old. She is not too young. You're not too young to go on a missions trip. Are you going to Ethiopia this year? Yes. Do you have $3,400? No. How much you got? 200 Well, you better get busy. And so she's stepping out in faith. She, um, I've been busy. She's been asking me to help her sign up, but she just went on the E3 website her own and started to sign up. I need, I need to help you with that. I'll, I'll get to that. But uh, I'll be at the book table after the service. If you have any questions or like to learn more about the trip, also my phone number and my email is in the bulletin. And um, I want to ask you another question. How do you feel about traveling all the way to Africa for 10 days? I feel fine. You feel good about it? <laughs> Yeah. She feels, it, it's amazing. I, I, Catherine, Abigail, and our daughter Grace, who's nine, it's, it's just awesome to minister with them. She hasn't been on an overseas missions trip, but we've been out of TJ, on the street in TJ, and when none of us speak Spanish, going up to people, asking if we can pray for them, and seeing God heal people. It's awesome. And that's my nine-year-old daughter that's been leading it. We, we go, and she goes, there's someone, sick. let's go pray for them. And I'm like, okay, she's leading the charge. So I want to encourage you to step out. That's very cool. And um, just a second, John. There's one other thing we need, to, we need to cover here. Hey, I got the mic. You're not getting this back. Hey, while we're talking about the vision for the year, I think we need to remember where God's brought us from. And it was about 15 years ago that this church was birthed 
It was actually exactly 15 years ago, this coming up Easter. And um, when I say when we birthed this church, I'm, I'm talking about the Atours and the Rows and, and the Rileys. All of us were there. In my living room. In, in, his, in his living room is where it first started, and then, then in an elementary school. And it was just, it was just about, I think, 22 years ago that we started John's first ministry with a singles group. And when I say we, I mean Brian, Riley, and myself. Our wives hadn't shown up yet, but they came in the process. I think that's one of the reasons we started the singles ministry, right? To get married. <laughs> and, um, and it was just 24 years ago that I first met John. I was 18 years old in a youth group. And I, this is the first memory I have of John. I don't know if you remember this, but he was volunteering to help with the worship for the youth. And I remember sitting there, and, you know, I don't know if you've been to a youth group lately, but a lot of them, the uh, leaders are, are struggling to get the youth engaged. And so he's trying to inspire us to worship. And he says to, um, and especially the young men, because us teenagers, at least I know I, when I was 18, weren't necessarily focused. So to motivate us, he said, the girls really like it when you raise your hands in worship. <laughs> and I immediately, and he's still talking. He, worship hasn't started yet, but I immediately raised my hand and started looking around going, hey. <laughs> I remember that. And I think it was a prophetic word because I ended up getting Catherine, so it, it worked. Amen. Well, I'm and, glad no, you... there's one more thing. We've got to go back even further. This vision started 49 years ago yesterday. Someone was born. This guy right here. I think we have a special song you want to sing, Heather? Ah, that's sweet. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you, Sing it. Sing it, Dirk. This is my present. Happy birthday to you. Wait, wait, just a second. We've got one more thing here. I got a little gift you can open. Oh, that is so sweet. And um, Sandy made this. And I want to invite all of you to sign it after service. It'll be out at the book table. So what would you get in your gift? You guys are hijacking my vision Sunday. But this is just a little personal gift from me. Oh, my goodness gracious. A T-shirt from the first ministry we started in our church. <laughs> Living in victory eternally. This is our singles ministry. Oh my! With Monday the logo, nights, a singles ministry on Monday. Oh nights. my! It's so that's so sad. Look at that. Oh my! We have come a long way, man. All right. Happy birthday! Woo! Thank you, Dirk. That's sweet, man. Oh, that is great. Thank you for that little detour down memory lane. All right, let's keep talking about the future. And praise the Lord. That's great. Okay, listen. Uh, so do we have, um, are they going to talk to you next outside if they want to go on the Ethiopia, Ethiopia yeah, trip, right? Yeah, talk to me outside, call me, email me. Great. And your, your information is in the bulletin. Yeah. Dirk, D-I-R-K, in the bulletin if you don't know him. Also, uh, okay, let's, let's continue on what the things we're doing very briefly. Pursuing the supernatural. We pioneered the Southern California School of the Supernatural. Les and Chris, Les, uh, Meredith and Chris uh, Prytower are going to be our keynote speakers and demonstrators at the next School of the Supernatural in February. They came to our church. They got tapped into the supernatural. They'd gone to every School of the Supernatural. Now they are leading the School of the Supernatural. How cool is that? I mean, they are seeing miracles and signs and wonders. Les's wife, Donette, got to see her gifts when Jonathan Welton was here. Now she sees stuff all the time. It's just weird. But it's awesome. Um, awesome weird. Good weird. 
but weird. All right, pursuing the supernatural, a significant increase in the gifts of the Spirit and manifestations in this church. That's why we have consistent testimonies and uh, testimonies on the website. We have a booklet with all the testimonies. We press... I don't want to say we pressed the envelope. We just got rid of the envelope, and we're just moving in the supernatural in this church, and we're not going to stop. Prayer, another thing we do, we have prayer teams here on Sunday mornings as well as mobile prayer teams that go out and pray in people's homes, which is so cool. Gary Mancini, one of our elders, leads that up. Connect groups, spending more time praying. Wednesday night intercessory prayer team is so powerful. You're welcome to come to that. We're doing 30 for 30s. How many of you are getting the 30 for 30s? Every morning you get the 30 for 30 email. Uh, we're halfway through. That's praying 30 minutes a day for 30 days. If you want to jump in, we're halfway through. You can put on your welcome card, 30 for 30. Or you can sign up out there and uh, just commit to praying 30 minutes a day for 30 days. Now it'll be about 15 days for you. And um, then Jesus is going to return at the end of the 30 days. <laughs> Soak in prayer at RB Prez that uh, Gail uh, helps lead up. And then our financial stewardship, finally, which is a big piece of what I believe God is pleased with about the way we have done things in this church is uh, our total benevolence giving last year, 20%. We gave away $100,000 to uh, the poor, to the needy, to those that uh, just have have needs. What's that? What did I say? $100,000. Isn't that what I said? What's that say? Uh, $108,000. Well, we gave away $108,000. Let's just call it that. And... um, I was wrong. I, I, I put a book. I just put a bookmark in my notes. One hundred thousand, knowing it was somewhere close. I forgot to change it to the specific number, which is one hundred eight thousand. When we began this church, I learned this when I was in business here in San Diego. We were upside down, seventy thousand dollars in debt. My brother had a nervous breakdown, and the Lord said, "Tithe." I'd never tithed before. I didn't know what it was. So I started learning about giving the first 10% of our income in business. And once we started doing that, our business flipped around and we ended up being the highest producing store in the nation for a multi-million dollar corporation. So God started teaching me how to uh, be financially um, viable and prosper so that you can be a blessing for the kingdom of God. I learned that in business. So when we pioneered this church, I said to Hope, I do not want to be paid one penny until we first give to the poor and give to the needy. So... We, we decided that from the very beginning of this church, we would give away the first 10% of every, all of our offerings, everyone's, ours, yours, 10% goes out. And quickly, we moved that to 20%. And for a number of years now, we have given out the first 20% of everything that comes in, we give it away. And so last year, we gave away 108. And you would think, well, then how are you going to save? Well, at this point, we have $930,000 in our church savings, hopefully for a future building for us. Amen? So, I believe the Lord is saying, Gathering Place Church, you are doing well. Keep doing what you're doing. Amen? Now, I want to bring this down to you personally, and I want to pray over you, and then we're going to launch 2012 together. This isn't just for us as a corporate body, though I believe that is the biblical context, and that's what the Lord is saying. But you can apply this to your personal life. If you want to operate in power, if you want to have abundant access to heavenly resources for your life. It is all about God's favor over your life. And that's not just a magic wand. It is because you have decided deep in the core of your being, I am going to spend my life doing the will of God. Once you have done that, it's like, it's like heaven and earth line up and you're caught in the middle. And you're like Jacob who was, fell asleep outside used a rock for his pillow and he said and then he had the angelic visitation and there was a ladder 
going up and down with angels ascending and descending. And he said, this was the house of God and I didn't even know it. And at that day, he changed from being a deceiver to being the prince of Israel. It's when you and I connect with God and decide, I am going to be about God's kingdom, not about mine. Jacob went from being selfish to being a prince for God. That the ladder over your life begins to ascend and descend with heavenly resources coming up and down and revolving around your life. Can we be that kind of a church? Will you be that kind of a believer? That we are about the will of God. Amen? Amen. So let's stand, let's commit this together, and let's have a great 2012 and watch the favor of God explode over this church and over our lives. Father, we stand before you, and we want to stand before you the way Jesus stood before the tomb of Lazarus and say, Father, thank you for hearing us from this place, and we know that you always hear us. And then we will be able to speak your word and see even the dead raised. This is not a pipe dream to us. We believe it, God. We will not live this year in spiritual insecurity. We will not live like beggars. We are going to live like your sons and daughters and be the light of the world to this city and beyond. So, Father, we believe we have an abundant access to heavenly's resources to do your will poured out on us this year, God. And may you even be more well-pleased by the end of this year with this church than you all are already. Thank you for the word of affirmation. We receive it, we believe it, and we're going to walk in it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Praise God. God bless you. Be the light of the world.